0: Good morning, Africa, and welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Bungani in Washington. Today is Monday, March the 14th, and here are some of the stories we're covering for you this morning. Chad's ruling military council and representatives of rebel forces met for the formal opening of peace talks in Doha, Qatar. Zimbabwe police blocked the country's main opposition party from holding rallies. Ahead of March 26th elections,
1: we are a part of peace, a part of the rule of law.
0: And Kenyan President Uhuru Kenyatta has endorsed his former arch rival ahead of presidential and parliamentary elections in August.
2: I accept this nomination with absolute gratitude and dedication to our people, our country, and all the leaders and parties that have endorsed this nomination.
0: That is Kenya political veteran Raila Odinga. We also have a conversation with a young tech entrepreneur on a mission to bridge the divide between rural and urban access to healthcare in Guinea. These stories and sports coming up right here on The Break Africa. Stay tuned. And for our top story, Kenyan President Uhuru Kenyatta has endorsed his former arch-rival opposition leader Raila Odinga as the presidential candidate in this year's August general elections. The two leaders have had a long history of opposing each other at the ballot box. Atieno Odiambo has more from Nairobi.
3: For the first time in Kenya's history, the ruling party has declared support for an opposition leader. 77-year-old seven, seven veteran opposition leader Rela Odinga was endorsed on Saturday as the presidential flag bearer ahead of the August nine general polls. The decision was made for Azimio Umoja or the Resolution for Unity Joint Movement which is a coalition of at least 26 parties, including the ruling Jubilee Party. Speaking from Nairobi during the Azimua Moja National Delegates Convention, Odinga welcomed the endorsement, vowing to be a revolutionary leader with the mandate to ramp up the state of the nation.
2: I accept this nomination with absolute gratitude and dedication to our people, our country, and all the leaders and parties that have endorsed this nomination. You have handed me a strong, broad, and unified platform to stand on and additional pairs of hands to help steady the ship. Azimio is a broad national democratic movement which puts premium on national unity, inclusive development, and transparent and accountable use of public resources. We'll use it to continue the struggle to eradicate poverty, ignorance, and disease that our nationalists initiated at independence, but still remains a work in progress.
3: Incumbent President Uru Kinyata, who cannot vie again after having served two terms, lauded other parties for affirming Odinga's nomination, thus supporting his confidence in Odinga's leadership. The National Delegates Convention saw over 20 affiliate parties in attendance sign a coalition agreement to officially declare their support to the Azimio Laumoja or Resolution of Unity Alliance president kenyatta told the delegates that he believes odinga has the right leadership tools to elevate kenya into a thriving and united nation as he had sacrificed personal interest to promote peace and stability in the country he says today we have gathered here as delegates from different political parties to nominate a flag bearer for our coalition and without any opposition we have nominated right honorable Raila odinga to be the fifth president of kenya and i have no doubt that he is willing and capable and god will use him to elevate kenya into prosperity Unity and Kenya will be a country that is recognized and respected worldwide. However, Odinga's endorsement did not sit well with Deputy President William Ruto and leaders allied to him. Speaking in Thika on Sunday during a Kenya Kwanzaa or Kenya First Alliance campaign tour, Ruto claimed that President Kenyatta has betrayed him by endorsing Odinga instead of him stood by him during his times of need ruto added that he nevertheless forgives the president He says, I have worked with you when you needed a brother by your side. Mr. President, you have maltreated me and my allies in the second term of our regime. You have broken our ruling Jubilee party. You have called us names. But I want to let you know that we are the same people who worked with you during your presidential bid. We campaigned for you until you became president for two terms. We have noted everything you have done to us. But because we are God-fearing people, we forgive you and leave you to God. Observers say that after Saturday's event, the presidential race is a two-horse contest between opposition leader Relo Odinga of Azimio Umoja, or Resolution of Unity Alliance, and Deputy President William Ruto of Kenya Kwanza, or Kenya First Alliance, ahead of the general polls, which are barely five months away. Odinga's 2022 bid will be the fifth after failed attempts in 1997, 2007, 2013, and 2017. Atieno Odhiambo, VOA Daybreak Africa, in Nairobi, Kenya.
0: Zimbabwe police Saturday blocked the country's main opposition party from holding rallies ahead of March 26 elections to fill seats that have fallen vacant since the general election in 2018. As Columbus Mavonga reports in Marondera, about 80 kilometers east of Harare, the police say the rally ban is meant to ensure peace and stability. Police
4: came overnight Friday at a venue where the leader of Zimbabwe's main opposition, the Citizens Coalition for Change, Nelson Chamisa, was supposed to address his supporters Saturday. The 44 year old candidate later came to disperse the crowd waiting for him.
1: We are a part of peace, a part of the rule of law. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Chamisa said his party does not want to fight with people. He said the government denied permission to hold a rally, so the party asked for permission to come and tell them about it. He told his supporters he does not want the politics of Zimbabwe to cause any death. He then added that what the government does not know is that here in Marondera his arrival is good enough. In an interview Sunday for Here, the Citizens Coalition for Change spokeswoman said her party was not happy with the bias of the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission and the police in favor of the ruling ZANU-PF party.
1: Our rally in Marondira was purportedly banned by the police and yet ZANU-PF was holding car rallies and other unsanctioned meetings uh, in the very same area. Not once have they sought authorization or given notice to the police and yet these unlawful prohibitions are meted out against us. Uh, Ours is a struggle of non-violent resistance. Uh, However, this The thousands that came out just to hear President Chamisa speak show beyond any doubt that the citizens are prepared to do whatever it takes to reclaim uh, their dignity. We continue to urge supporters to register to vote uh, in their masses so that we attain our target in 2023, a landslide victory.
4: Zimbabwe police, Sande refused to comment on the ban of the rally of the Citizens Coalition for Change in Marondera. It issued a letter to the opposition saying it needed time to prepare to ensure that there was peace at the rally. Two weeks ago, violence instigated by suspected ruling zanu supporters at a Citizens Coalition for Change rally resulted in two deaths and dozens injured. Alexander Rusero is a former senior politics lecturer at Arale Polytechnic College. He says police and political parties must squat violence at opposition rallies.
1: Because at the end of the day, violence uh, will result in a broken movement. Violence will also result in ZANU-PF capitalizing on such tragedies because ZANPF is not a saint in the violence that takes place in the opposition. This is not the first time we all know what ZANPF is capable of.
4: Police have arrested 16 suspected ZANPF supporters who are accused of causing the violence and who now face major charges in connection with the deaths at the opposition rally. Zimbabwe's pre-election season has been marred by violence that has claimed lives and left thousands injured since 2000 after a strong opposition party emerged. Columbus Mavungam for VOA News, Marondera, Zimbabwe.
0: The Break Africa continues. Development experts say the COVID-19 pandemic exposed long-standing systemic issues in healthcare systems across the continent. The issues that range from access to quality healthcare have resulted in widespread disparities and inequities in public health. On a continent with a shortage of resources to build modern healthcare infrastructure – Young entrepreneurs are using technology to build solutions like telemedicine in the healthcare marketplace. And because of the huge business potential in this sector, reports show that health tech startups in Africa are attracting hundreds of millions of dollars in venture capital funding. NASA Diallo is the founder of Clinico, a technology-enabled primary healthcare platform. He tells me that he's on a mission to bridge the divide between rural and urban access to healthcare in Guinea. So our our in, innovation is blending in community health
5: work and technology. We know that community health workers are really good at uh, being at being uh, very immersed within the communities, understanding their problems, and then um, trying to plot up solutions. Uh, but often community health workers are very far away from. Healthcare facilities, mainly in rural Guinea and uh, and specialists. Um, uh, if we have conditions that go beyond their competency, so we equipped our community health workers with uh, smartphones, um, internet connections, and and also medical equi- equipment, mobile medical equipment that enable them to provide uh, medical information in real time via a teleconsultation using uh, using WhatsApp uh, mm. on our platform, Clinical. So it's very
0: efficient. And in- how do people in in Guinea view healthcare? And I'm asking this because usually people seek healthcare uh, when when they're sick. Um, but how do you change that paradigm? Instead of people having to wait to get sick to seek healthcare, how are you changing the approach towards healthcare?
5: That's that's a fantastic question. So Clinico has a prevention based approach. Um, Guinea is no different than. All the other countries that are really focused on uh, on curative care, people go to hospitals when they are desperately in need of healthcare. Meaning, also their conditions are highly deteriorated. And then uh, uh, blending that into medical facilities that are uh, that, that are really, really not great in great conditions, you have a deadly combination of uh, of, of people who have very low immune system. So what we are doing is. Trying to tell people it is good to be healthy, and it is very good to to check your health when you are healthy, so you can stay healthy. That's the starting point, and that can be done. for uh, For instance, we do checkup for diabetes. We do checkup for high blood pressure. Right? We do. Uh, we we help people get up to date with their vaccines. Uh, we, uh, we we enable people to prevent malaria. For instance, we are we have very little we have very little investment in malaria uh, curation. We are more invested in malaria prevention because uh, the conditions that are creating malaria um, are so, so, so intense that no medication can solve the problem of malaria if you do not clean your your home, if you do not have a uh, a, a cleaning system, if you do not have a garbage collection system, uh, if you do not have a sanitation system. So we are really focused on those things uh, to help solve the problem from the roots uh, using prevention. And that's where community health workers who are immersed within the community play an exceptional role.
0: Mm. And how is connectivity limiting your work? You, you say that you work in mostly rural areas. Do you need high-end broadband connecti- uh, connectivity to access your platform? Um, that's,
5: a, that, 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 that's, that's, that's a very, very good question as well. Actually, um, we have two systems. We have a a system that requires using our application by connecting it to WhatsApp. You know WhatsApp is very light uh, connectivity and we are working with a mobile network operator, largest one in Guinea, which is Orange. Um, And then um, connectivity is uh, fairly great in Guinea. Uh, So for instance, when you want to do a teleconsultation and the connectivity is not good, we shut down the camera and then we do it in audio. If it's not working, what we do, we just offer a a, a regular call. Why we can afford to do that? It's because we have a professional of of health, a community health worker who is screening the patient on behalf of the physician who is miles away, right? So we are not completely disconnected with with, with a healthcare professional. So in a way, our teleconsultation model is really hybrid. It's not just a patient with a smartphone and a physician. And why is that? It's because Patients in rural Guinea do not even know how to describe their condition, So they need to be assisted by a community health worker who is trained and who is um, equipped with the, with, with the technology. So to your point, there are many instances in which connectivity is an issue, but you can still make a direct call, like uh, a regular call. And we, we, we use that as an, as an alternative whenever connectivity is, is, is a challenge.
0: That is Nasa Diallo, the founder of Clinic O, a technology enabled primary healthcare platform in Guinea Conakry. <laughs> Hundreds of civilians were killed in South Sudan's Tambura County late last year. That is according to a report released this month by the United Nations Mission in South Sudan and the UN Human Rights Office. Between June and September of last year, 440 civilians were killed during clashes with warring groups, and 64 people were subjected to sexual violence, including a 13-year-old girl who was raped to death. Musa Gasama, head of human rights for the UN mission in South Sudan, spoke to Ricky Shrayok about the violence and how they hope it can be stopped. Witness
6: accounts indicate that most of the victims were killed with machets, knives, extreme brutality and um, we've also um, found out that abduction was a key um, 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 consequences of the classes. Men and boys were abducted mainly for forced recruitment and to carry looted um, items. We've also documented conflict related sexual violence during the, the, the classes between the armed groups. Um, we've documented about 64 cases of rape and other forms of conflict related sexual violence. The youngest was a girl of 12 years
7: who do you think is behind some of this violence what are the reasons behind it
6: well it, um, it's, it's, it's a long story, but um, there have been pre-existing uh, factors um, or, 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 or cleavages between the Azande and uh, the Balanda uh, communities in Western Equatorial State. Um, but um, local grievances or um, related to land relating to power have always been there. But um, recently we believe that um, these issues have been politicized and exacerbated and exploited by political actors.
7: Is it hard to get information such as this outside of these areas? Are these areas quite isolated?
6: No, the the, the early signs were there from for, for many 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 uh, years, so we knew that this was a possible, you know, uh, um, thing that um, would happen. You know, it was not, uh, it didn't come as a surprise. And um, yes, it's not also unique in in Tambura. There are quite a lot of areas across the country. Um that, um that can be like this, you know, grievances um, are always there, but um, as I said, uh, people exploit or exhibit um, um, such grievances and then this thing happens. So it's not a unique situation in the country.
7: What can be done? Um, I know that's a big question, obviously, but what, what do you think needs to be done to stop this and, and allow? Um, especially the women and children and and men of Tambura County, and to live uh, with peace.
6: Well, that is the purpose of the the report, is to raise the alarm higher and also advocate for an intervention uh, to avoid a repetition of what happened in 2021.
0: That was Musa Gasama, head of human rights for the UN mission in South Sudan. He was speaking to VOA's Ricky Shrayok. Chad's ruling military council and representatives of rebel forces met for the formal opening of peace talks on Sunday in Doha, Qatar, part of a diplomatic effort to halt decades of fighting and instability in the Central African country. The negotiations aimed to pave the way for the head of the junta, General Mahamat Idris Debi, to lead the country toward new elections in 18 months. Delegations from a constellation of opposition and armed rebel groups gathered with African, American, European and Qatari officials for a ceremony to mark the start of the talks, followed by negotiations between the Chadian sides behind closed doors. A Malian delegation traveled to Mauritania's capital to discuss the alleged disappearances of several Mauritanians on Malian territory. And Resenberg has more from Bamako.
7: A Malian delegation is scheduled to arrive in Nauktrat Friday after the Mauritanian government accused Mali of criminal acts against Mauritanians on Malian territory. According to a French news agency report, a Mauritanian member of parliament, Mohamed Mahmoud Henena, says at least 15 of his countrymen have been killed in Mali. Social media posts have accused the Malian army of being responsible for the killings. In a March 9 press release, Mali's military government said its ambassador to Mauritania was summoned to a meeting with Mauritania's foreign affairs minister over the alleged assassination of Mauritanian citizens in Mali. The release denied the Malian army is responsible for the killings and pledged to investigate the crimes. Malian officials visited Mauritania in January to strengthen the relationship between the two countries after the West African bloc ECOWAS imposed sanctions on Mali in response to the military government delaying elections. Mauritania is not a member of ECOWAS and does not support the sanctions. The West African country, along with Guinea, remains one of the only ways Mali can have access to a port in international trade. The Malian army has also been accused of disappearing several Fulani men in Mali's Segu region, with the UN and Human Rights Watch conducting investigations. Annie Reich for VOA News, Bamako, Mali.
0: And now it's time for Daybreak Africa Sports. For that, we go to Abuja in Nigeria with Samson O'Malley. Good morning to you, Samson.
4: Good Monday
0: morning to you too,
1: Jackson. We begin the sport in Ghana, where FIFA has warned that Ghana may have to choose between Morocco and Benin Republic to host Nigeria in the Qatar 2022 World Cup first leg playoff on March the 25th. Nigeria filed a petition with pictures of the poor Cape Coast pitch scheduled to host the match, posted by official handle of the National Sports Authority of Ghana. The CAF FIFA delegation are in Ghana already and will be led by the Ghana FA officials to inspect the venue's facilities and especially the pitch. CAF officials will conduct final inspection of Cape Coast Stadium on Monday. And now to the CAF Champions League. On Francis Petro Luanda of Angola and perennial title challenges, Wydad Casablanca of Morocco on Saturday became the first qualifiers for the CAF Champions League quarterfinals. Mamelodi Sundowns also qualified for the CAF Champions League quarterfinals after they beat Al-Hakli one 0 in a Group A clash at the FNB Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Al-Hakli head coach Pizzo Mousimane described the match as a very difficult one, but also accused Memelody Sundowns
4: of dirty tricks. Yeah, we tried. Especially in the first half, we started very well, having the ball more than the opponents. But football is not all about that, it's about the goals. We made
1: one big mistake. We slept on, on corner kick, and uh, I thought we scored corner kick. I didn't expect them to score corner kick. But football as it is, they scored. Yeah, we have to be honest, also, they had three chances, one watch Elsewhere, Raja Casablanca of Morocco conceded and lost for the first time in six qualifying and group marches. Should still advance. Wydad completed a double over Zamalek by winning 1 0 in Cairo through so an early second half penalty. Petro now have 10 points and Wider 9, with two rounds to come, while Zamalek has two and Zagranda one point, and they will be playing only for pride. Memelody Sundown tops Group A with 10 points, while Al Hartley and Sudanese signed Al Hilal and Al Merik have all four points. Esperance beat Etoldo Sahel to In a Tunisian derby, while Bolzadad took advantage of Botswana visitors Juanang Galaxy to win 4 1 in Algiers. In basketball news, it was rest day at the Basketball African League in Dakar, Senegal, on Sunday, as the Basketball African League season 2 continues at the Dakar Arena with six teams in the Sahara Conference battling for four available slots in the playoffs in May in Kigali. Several matches were played on Saturday. U.S. Monastery cruised into the Basketball African League playoffs unskated in four games in the Sahara Conference after their 74-62 win over Dakar University Club on Saturday. Dakar University Club, known as DUC, had on Friday registered their first group stage win after their 92-86 win over Rwanda Energy Group, REG. And that's it on Daybreak Africa Sports. I am Samson O'Male in Abuja,
0: Nigeria. It's back to you, Jackson, in Washington. Thank you, Samson, and have a great week ahead. And that's it for this edition of Daybreak Africa. Thank you for spending this morning with us. For more African news and features, visit our website at voanews.com. Until next time, I'm Jackson Vungani in Washington wishing you...